beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Within the Christian church today, there are different styles of worship. We worship God in what many would label a traditional style. Our liturgy moves back and forth from God speaking to us and us responding to Him. And anything that doesn't fit in that covenant dialogue is not included in our worship service. God speaks to us in the greeting, the law, the reading of Scripture, the preaching of the gospel, the administration of the sacraments, and in the final blessing. And we respond with songs, confession of sins, prayers, professing our faith, and the giving of our gifts. In front of our church, we have a solid pulpit. The preaching of the gospel is central to our worship. We sing the psalms, and most of our hymns date back hundreds of years. Our singing is accompanied by organ or piano. Today, there are many churches in our community that practice a more contemporary form of worship. Such services still include singing, prayers, reading of Scripture, and preaching. Yet many evangelical and community churches around us have a very different feel to them. People dress much more casually for worship. The front of the church is most often a stage. Different people are involved in leading the service. Preaching is no longer central to worship. It's complemented with personal testimonies and other things. The psalms and hymns of Christendom have been replaced with contemporary music. Most often, some kind of band leads the singing. Now, within our churches, there are people who are pushing for a more contemporary style of worship. There are some who do not like the Genevan tunes of the Book of Praise, who would like us to sing more contemporary music. And instead of having the singing accompanied by an organ or piano, they'd like to see a band lead the singing. People get tired of the same old way of doing things. They want to experience something new. They think it would be much more interesting to listen to someone's testimony about their conversion or a mission trip that they went on than to hear the minister preach another boring sermon. And so this raises questions about what worship is all about and about how we are to worship God. It's good for us to consider these questions. Yet in doing so, it's important for us to go back to what the Bible teaches. How we worship God should not be driven by our passions and desires, but by the principles that God teaches us in His Word. Worship is ultimately not about what we want. It's not about what traditional people want or about what contemporary people want. Worship is about what God wants. We find out what God wants from the Word of God. As congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ and as individual believers, we cannot enter into discussions about worship unless we've immersed ourselves in what the Bible says about worship. 
This afternoon in Lord's Day 25, we learn some foundational principles of worship. We learn about how worship is about God being at work in his people. When God gathers you together from Sunday to Sunday through the call of your elders, he does so with a view to changing you. God's purpose is to work faith in your heart and to strengthen you in your faith. It is to renew you, to make you holy, to cause you to grow in your maturity, to lead you forward on the pathway of everlasting life. I preach to you the Word of God under the following theme. God gathers us in worship in order to do His life-changing work in us. We'll consider the means by which the Spirit changes us and the call for us to focus our lives on Christ. When speaking about worship, some emphasize that worship is all about God. The purpose of a worship service, they say, is that we give glory to God. This comes out sometimes in the responses we give when there are complaints about the preaching. Someone says, I didn't get much out of that sermon. Parents or elders might respond, but what did you bring to worship? What did God get out of you? It's important for us to recognize that when we gather in worship, we come into the presence of our holy and majestic God. He is worthy of our praise and adoration. Hebrews 12, 28 encourages us to offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Clearly, our worship needs to be God-centered. We should be passionately involved in it with heart and soul and mind and strength. And we need to give glory to God. But that's not all that the Bible teaches about worship. Worship is not just about giving glory to God. Worship is also very much about God meeting with us so that he can do his life-changing work in us. When we meet with God in worship, he has promised to be present among us. In Matthew 18, verse 20, Jesus says to his disciples, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. God is present with his spirit among us in order to transform us, to change us from sinful, self-absorbed people into his redeemed and renewed people. Our Lord's Day focuses on this aspect of worship, on how God gathers us together from Sunday to Sunday so he can do his life-changing work in us. Lord's Day 25 deals with what we in theology call the means of grace. In the previous Lord's Days, we've seen that we are justified, that we are made right with God by faith alone. And so the question arises, where does this faith come from? How does God work faith in our hearts? How does God take us from out of darkness and bring us into Christ's glorious light? How does God work to keep us walking with him. 
What are the tools that God uses to change us, to renew us, to cause us to grow in maturity, to lead us to our eternal home? Lord's Day 25 teaches that God has ordained two means to work and strengthen faith. The Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel. Preaching is important. It is the heart of our worship service. For when a minister ex- explains Scripture and applies it to our lives, when we hear what is said, then the Holy Spirit uses that to do His life-changing work in us. The Holy Spirit strengthens us in our faith through the sacraments. Our confessions say that it is because God is mindful of our insensitivity and weaknesses that He has given us the sacraments to assure us of His promises to nourish our faith. And so worship is not just about gathering to glorify God. It's about God working in us by His Spirit, doing His life-changing work in us. Our catechism's teaching about how God works in us is based on God's Word. We read together this afternoon from Isaiah 55. The prophet begins this passage with a call. He calls all those who are thirsty to come to the waters, and those who have no money to come buy and eat. Just as those deprived of food and drink can die of hunger or thirst, so God's people were dying because of a lack of knowledge. Isaiah calls them to come, to listen diligently. He says, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. God's people had strayed from the Lord in His service. They served the gods of the surrounding nations. They no longer knew of the Lord and of His steadfast love for them. And so Isaiah encourages them to seek the Lord while He may be found, to call on Him while He is near. What does it mean to seek the Lord? How could God's people find Him? The way for Israel to come to know the Lord was to listen to the prophets whom God sent them. It was to gather and worship, to hear the Bible read and explained by the priests. It sounds so ordinary, so pedestrian. And yet, as the Lord said in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God has ordained a simple way to work faith in the hearts of his people. It is through the preaching of the gospel. To bring the point home, the Lord used an example from nature. He talks about precipitation and the water cycle. God releases water from the clouds in the form of rain. It waters the earth, causing plants to bud and grow. Eventually, the excess water will evaporate from the surface of the earth to again form new clouds. The point is that God uses the water cycle to cause plants to grow and develop and bear fruit. God sends rain to provide food for mankind. 
Well, beloved, in the same way, God sends forth his word. The Lord says that just as a water cycle provides food for mankind, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God uses his word to make himself and all his mighty deeds known. He works that word into the hearts of his people by the powerful working of his Holy Spirit. Do you know why the preaching of the gospel is so important, beloved? Because it's the means by which the Spirit changes us. By nature, we are self-focused, self-seeking, self-absorbed people. For many, life is about doing what I want to make me happy. In and of ourselves, God is not the focus of our lives. Our sinful nature would never incite us to seek God or to learn to know Him. Of ourselves, we would not devote our hearts and lives to Christ. We would not live to God's glory. By nature, we're inclined to hate God and our neighbor. Yet the Spirit changes us. He causes us to be born again. He transforms our lives. He takes that which was spiritually dead and he makes it alive. He works repentance and faith in our hearts. He renews us, more and more putting to death in us the sinful desires of the flesh. He works in us a love for God, a desire to live for him. God takes our self-absorbed, self-seeking nature, and he transforms us. So our focus is no longer on what we want. The Spirit changes us from the inside out so that more and more we love God and our neighbor. The Spirit works this change in us through the preaching of the gospel. Think of what we read from 1 Peter 1. Peter speaks about how it is possible for us to love one another earnestly from the heart. He explains that this is possible since you have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. And he adds that this word is the good news that is preached to you. The word of God is powerful. It's simply by speaking that God created this world. For he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. In a similar way, it's by his word that God does his life-changing work in us. Hebrews 4 describes the power of God's word. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's word penetrates deep inside us, changing our hearts, renewing our minds. It's God's word that creates new life in us.
In many churches, the preaching of God's Word no longer has a central place. People want other things to spice up the liturgy. They're tired of what they call the one-man show. We've seen this happen in the Reformed churches in the Netherlands and in many Christian Reformed churches. Kids get hauled out of church for their own programs and then brought back in to report what they did in Sunday school. People are invited to give personal testimonies of how God brought them to faith or to report on their involvement in mission trips. There is a parade of different people on and off the stage. There's a shift in what a worship service is all about. Instead of being God-centered, the focus seems to be on on pleasing people's desire to be entertained. In many modern churches, the time for gospel preaching is limited to perhaps 10 or 15 minutes. The preaching of the gospel is considered to be boring, old-fashioned, and outdated. But, beloved, consider what the Bible itself teaches us about the preaching of the gospel. In Romans 1.16, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is the power of God by which he transforms us. In Romans 10, 17, Paul teaches, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. It is through the preaching of the gospel that the Holy Spirit does his life-changing work in us. It's through the preaching and the use of the sacraments that the Spirit strengthens and nourishes our faith. It brings us to our second point, and it will consider the call for us to focus our lives on Christ. We've considered how the preaching of the gospel and the use of the sacraments are the means of grace God has ordained. These are the tools that God uses to work faith in us and to strengthen us in our faith. They're the means by which the Holy Spirit does His life-changing work in us. The Spirit uses them to renew us, to make us holy, to cause us to grow in our maturity to lead us forward on the pathway of everlasting life. The reason that these means are effective is because they focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. The Spirit does not just work a generic faith in us. Our faith has content Our faith is in the only Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the mighty works that Jesus, it's in the mighty works that Jesus has done for us. He came into this world to suffer and die on a cross in order to redeem us. It's by his sacrificial death that he has paid the price for our sins. And on the third day after his death, Jesus again rose from the dead. Through his resurrection, he grants us new life in him. For God to work new life in us by his Spirit, the preaching of the gospel needs to be focused on Jesus Christ. For baptism to be more than a quaint ritual, 
We need to see and understand that the outward washing with water is a symbol that assures us that Christ has washed away all our sins by his blood and spirit. For the Lord's Supper to be more than a custom we engage in, we need to eat the bread and drink the cup, believing that Christ's body was offered for me and his blood shed for me on the cross. It is only by believing in Jesus Christ that we are saved. Christ's sacrifice on the cross is the only ground for our salvation. It's through a focus on Christ that the Holy Spirit changes us. God's goal in worship is to transform us more and more into the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. Christ died a sacrificial death for us on the cross so that more and more we would die to sin and live for him. Christ gave himself sacrificially for us so that more and more we would learn to offer up our lives as a sacrifice of thankfulness for his redeeming work. Our worship needs to be Christ-centered, for that is the way in which the Spirit effects change in our hearts and lives. Therefore, beloved, when we gather together twice each Sunday, we need to do that with the expectation that something really special is going to happen. We gather in worship in the workshop of the Holy Spirit so God can do his life-changing work in us, bringing us from death to life transforming our hearts and lives so that more and more we live for Christ. And we need to realize that this change in us is normally a slow process. A child does not become an adult overnight. It takes about 20 years for a baby to develop into an adult. There's different stages involved. Well, the same is true in the life of a believer. Change doesn't happen in a moment. It's normally a slow process. It takes time to grow in the faith. It takes time to develop a Christian character. We wish that we would be suddenly transformed into the image of Christ with a click of a finger. But we know that Progress in the faith often comes by moving three steps forward and then two back. You know that, beloved. Don't you wish you could be done with a certain sin? Don't you desire to be more godly? Doesn't happen overnight, does it? Maturity in the faith is something God works in us over time. Yet for God to work change in us requires repetition. We learn best by doing things over and again. To learn to play a musical instrument requires regular practice. To develop into a good athlete, you need to do drills. You need to play the game again and again. You're not going to learn to play a piano well if you never play your scales and if you don't go through your songs again and again. 
You're never going to be a good basketball player if you don't practice dribbling and passing and shooting. The same is true of your life with God. Unless you submit to the discipline of God speaking to you and you listening to the preaching of the gospel, you will not grow in faith. If you can't be bothered to come to church and hear what God speaks, your faith will stagnate and eventually it'll die. If you mind that sacraments are just customs and traditions, if you tune out when they're administered, your faith is not going to be strengthened. If you don't see how baptism and the Lord's Supper point to Christ's sacrifice on the cross, you will not share in the forgiveness of sins and eternal life promised in them. Beloved, we began this sermon by speaking about how within the Christian church, some prefer a more traditional form of worship, while others prefer a more contemporary form of worship. Some church federations have gotten involved in what we would call the worship wars. Generally, they involve older people holding on to a traditional way of doing things and younger people advocating for change. In and of itself, making changes to how we worship God is not wrong, as long as those changes are rooted in what the Bible teaches about God and how He commands us to worship Him. The problem we often face in evaluating how to worship God is this. We tend to focus on what we want, on what pleases us. Yet the true worship of God is not about what suits our fancy. The whole point of worship is to train us that life is not about what we want. God gathers us in worship to do His life-changing work in us. God's purpose is to work faith in your heart and to strengthen you in that faith. He uses the preaching of the gospel and the sacraments to conform you into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. God's goal is to renew you. It's to make you holy. It's to cause you to grow in maturity. It's to lead you forward on the pathway of everlasting life. Sunday by Sunday, service after service, we hear the preaching of the gospel. We hear about a hundred sermons each year. At times, the sermon will captivate our attention. Other times, we may experience the preaching as dry or boring or not really so relevant. The sacraments are regularly administered among us. We read through the forms again and again. Through the years, we've witnessed countless baptisms and repeatedly broken bread and drunk from the cup in remembrance of Christ. Why all this repetition? Doesn't it make the celebration of the sacraments into a boring ritual? After a while, doesn't it become mindless? Beloved, do not despise the means of grace. Heed the call of the elders and gather together regularly and faithfully for the worship of God. Listen, 
truly listen to the preaching of the gospel. A sermon is not some dusty, dry, or boring lecture. If you're listening, you'll hear the voice of the Good Shepherd calling you to repentance and life. The sacraments are not meaningless rituals or traditions. Through them, the Holy Spirit focuses our attention on Christ and His atoning sacrifice for our sins. I know that church involves a lot of repetition. We hear the same kind of sermons again and again, and we partake of the sacraments over and over. We worship in this way, because these are the means by which the Spirit does His life-changing work in us. Amen.